Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Echoes Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Peterson, and I am so pleased to have you guys here today listening and diving into God's Word. Um, First off, I want to thank you guys for all the support. Um, The more that we can get on board, um, the bigger I can grow, the more people I can have um, in the future, um, and the better I can make this podcast for you guys. Um, As well, if you haven't found me on social medias, you can. Um, So you can listen here, uh, the podcast on Spotify and on Anchor. Um, I'm still working on getting uh, the other platform, podcast platforms available for you guys. Um, As well, you can find um, the official uh, Three Echoes podcast uh, Instagram. Uh, It's just Three Echoes podcast as well as a Facebook page at Three Echoes Podcast. So go ahead and follow those social medias. We can get some engagement. Um, That's where I'll put updates as well. Um, But otherwise, let's dive into a word of prayer and let's get into this. Daniel chapter 3. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. Uh, We just thank you that all that you have given us, uh, the blessings and the good and the bad. Uh, We're into the new year of 2023 and we're just... Just so blessed to be able to continue putting you first, uh, reading your word, and uh, just seeking how we can become better uh, Christians and better believers in God. So, Lord, just please bless this reading, um, bless this knowledge that we can learn today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alrighty, let's start off with our reading. Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. They, then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. A herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the gold statue the king King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Some Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You, as king, have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. 
they do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To, to, so these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the god who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as the king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to, beat, uh, to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these men, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four not tied walking around into the flame unharmed, and the fourth looks like a, like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made of garbage dump. For there is no other god who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. May God share blessings at the reading of his word. Whoo, man, is it hot in here? I think it's hot. Goodness. It's almost like there was a fire going. So, wowza. 
let's go right back to the beginning. There's so much to unpack here. Um, just as a, a, a word of advice here, not necessarily advice, but just information. I am reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, and today I am also using the Moody Bible Commentary um, uh, to help just add in just little bits of extra information here for us to gather as we break this chapter down. So chapter three, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. He set it up in the plain of Dura and King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble. So the king, he is just, even though in the previous chapter he saw divinity from God's uh, blessings and knowledge through Daniel to answer dreams. But even in this, even with this knowledge, he still presents a gold statue. Now, this gold statue could have been in his image. It could have also been in the image of uh, one of the, the gods that he worshipped. Um, it can go either way uh, from what I've can kind of read. Um, but through the Moody, uh, it says kind of the events in Daniel. This is kind of where it was at. Um, it took place shortly after Daniel explained the King's dream in Daniel chapter two. Um, but some have estimated that it could have been 10 or even 20 years later. So we're looking on a short time span from what originally happened in Daniel chapter two into Daniel chapter three, short enough to that he should have known that this isn't right, but he's King. And if we know anything about that, this era, Kings will do what they want. So let's continue. All the rulers of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. So all of his followers, all these kings and rulers and lords and these high-ranking officials throughout the land were just like, okay, we're going to follow. We don't care. Um, one thing uh, to note here. Uh, between two and uh, chapter two, sorry, verse two and three. Uh, let's see here. King Nebuchadnezzar said, "Where to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up." So, it's because we're in the Middle East. We know that the Persian army and the Persian Empire is rising up in this time frame or in future time frame here uh the use of the persian loan word of four satraps does not necessarily imply for an anachronism since persian inscriptions have been discovered from the neo uh, neo babylonian era so we have found artifacts uh from the neo babylonian era with persian inscriptions um, and one thing that I had to look up because I'm learning all the time is that an anachronism, just so that we're all on the same page, is a thing belonging or appropriate to a period other than that in which it exists, especially a thing that is conspicuous, conspicuously old-fashioned. So that's what it is. Just thought we should be all on the same page. 
Um, so all these guys are coming. Uh, these people were commanded. He, he wrote in uh, verse 4, A herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded. So this was not something that you get to have a choice. It doesn't matter if you worship other gods. You're going to be worshiping this statue and my God as well. You, are, you all are to face down, fall face down, and worship the gold statue that the king Nebuchadnezzar king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Wowza. That would hurt. So, those failing to worship the image would be in, incinerated in a furnace of blazing fire. A punishment uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had also used on two J Judean false prophets, uh, Zedekiah and Ahab which I'm going to go to Jeremiah 29, 22, and we can read. Um, I'm also going to be starting at um, verse 20, and I'll be reading verse 23 as well, because we want to have some of the little bit of the context. We want the before and the after. That's a good practice. If you're reading through the word or you see something or somebody said, you know, blabbles off a verse, you know, to support maybe a political agenda or just how they feel about something context is key it's always important to have the context so jeremiah 29 22 hear the word of the lord all you exiles i have sent from jerusalem to babylon this is what the lord of hosts the god of israel says to ahab son of Koliah, and to zedekiah son of mesai the ones prophesying a lie to you in my name quotations I am about to hand them over to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will kill them before your very eyes. Based on what happens to them, all the exiles of Judah who are in Babylon will create a curse that says, May the Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire, because they have committed an, an outrage in Israel by committing adultery to their, with their neighbors' wives and have spoken a lie in my name which I did not command them. I am he who knows, and I am a witness. This is the Lord's declaration. So we see there, this isn't the first time. This isn't the first time people have been thrown into a fiery furnace, a fiery blaze of death. Can we imagine that today? Like, goodness gracious. I think it also speaks true to... If you are professing God, if you are professing the gospel, we need to make sure that it's sound doctrine. Now, there is a difference between ignorance, blind ignorance, and just willful falsities in life and in teaching. There are pastors, there are preachers, there are just normal, everyday people spreading the the quote-unquote good news of god but that's all they're trying to bring is just good news they're not getting to the heart of it they're only teaching about the prosperities of god not the realities of god and the realities of our life today 
they won't hit those hard topics. So that's something that we have to be mindful of. Because we may not be thrown into a fiery furnace today, but if you blaspheme God's name, you might see those repercussions in your everyday life or later down in your life. So one of the notes I have written down here in my Bible is that the constant pressure to challenge us whether God is real and if our faith is firm. So this is kind of looking at verse 8. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. So there are always going to be people that are going to come against us, challenge our faith, challenge our walk with God, and say, look, this is false. Oh, you can't believe the Bible. It's not true. It's There's so many different versions, so there's no way that it can all be true. You know, yada, yada, yada. The list is endless. So we just need to be firm in our faith and understand that our faith is of good faith. And it's not for selfish gain or selfish desires, that, but that it's for the ultimate glory and gratification of God. Because we're always going to fall short. That started with Adam and Eve. Genesis, the very beginning. So that's why it's important for us to study. It's important for us to dive into the word. And that's why I'm here so that way we can all come together and just go through these books of the Bible and trying to apply it to our lives. Moving forward, verse 12, there are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, and the, the king, they do not serve you. Sorry, goodness gracious. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So, don't be contrary to our faith and God's teachings. Be consistent. If you're going to follow God, follow God. If you're going to have this faith and saving knowledge of Christ, continue that. Practice that. Become it. Don't just be like, well, this makes me feel good. It's what my mom wants. It's what my dad wants. You know, it's what society wants, which I would argue against. We have to continue to follow God. Let me, I'm just referencing my Moody book here. So something that's interesting here is that the word Chaldeans is both a general ethnic term for the Babylonian people and a specific term for priests who served as astrologers, soothsayers, and wise men in the king's government. In this sense, it was used as a, uh, as the secondary here. They were more astrologers rather than their ethnicity. Kind of Speaking to their job, what they did. Moving down to 17, 
If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us. So this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replying to the king. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as the king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. It's just their faith was so firm that they were willing to sacrifice their everything, their entire life for this. They weren't going to be pushed around. They weren't going to be bullied into this. They said, look, we'll go into the fire. But it doesn't matter whether we die or not. It's in God's hands. And that's how we should be daily. You know, we do have our own responsibility to ensure the life of our family, the life of others, and the life of ourselves is in good good standing. But we have to continue to say, look, the reason I am where I'm at is not only because of hard work, but it's through God's grace. It was through God's grace and the righteousness that I am trying to present, not even necessary present, practice that I am where I am today, have the family that I have, the job, everything else. And even we don't even have to have those luxuries. God's design for each and every one of us is different. So maybe God's design and calling for us is to not look very pretty you know and i don't even mean physically i just mean your life may look like it's in shambles but ultimately god's glory is still being presented and practiced and lived you know maybe god's glory comes through you not overcoming that sickness and you having to go through that hardship weekly, daily, monthly, whatever it may be, because it's opened up new doors, new opportunities for you to be present the gospel. Otherwise, for some, maybe it is you having that CEO position, having that multi-million dollar home, or having multiple homes. But at the end of the day, is all of that giving the glory to God? Is that giving you the opportunities to present the gospel and lead others to Christ. Are we willing to sacrifice our all for Christ? The aromatic imperfect imperfect verb yezizib, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He can deliver, which that, that's this is what it means, yezizib. He can deliver rescue. And this context indicates possibility and not certainty. So it was possible to God to not save them, but it was also not certain. If God's design was for them to be burned alive, then they were content with that. A couple questions to think about in this section. What fire are we going to allow to swallow us whole? Is there a fire in your life? Is there a sin in your life that you are allowing to consume you, to burn you down, 
break you down. Make you smell like the fire. Scorched. Is it the word? Forgive me. Is it the world or God? Maybe God's putting you on fire. Because this is how he wants it to be. Just a little bit of reflection there. I love this part. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So, really, oh, I, I just love this. So, for one, we have to think about this furnace, and I haven't even talked about this. I haven't even gotten to this. We have to think about how this furnace probably looked like. You know, I'm sure we've all seen or maybe even had one of those, like, pottery kiln fire pits. They kind of look like a, a flask, like a science flask, a beaker. Imagine that, like... 10 times as big this would be something that would sit on top of like a hill and you'd be throwing logs in and there like full-size logs you wouldn't be chopping them up you'd be throwing logs and tons of coal in there um it's sometimes thought of that this is probably the same furnace that was used to create the statue that king nebuchadnezzar wanted people to worship which is somewhat ironic but in this fire, fiery furnace, so this furnace, you have peepholes, you know, just like you would see in a forge a lot of times. So that way, you know, if what you're smelting, what you're working with is melting properly. And it also serves as a purpose to adding oxygen to the fire, making it hotter, which we know that the king wanted it seven times greater than what it already was. So this thing was cooking. But the king saw four people in the furnace. Four. So who is this fourth person? Was this an angel? Was this uh, the unsent Messiah, Jesus? Um, we're not fully sure, but we could infer that it could have been Messiah, Jesus Christ, pre-birth. Because of his statement, the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, we obviously know there aren't gods. It's just God. Trinity three and one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But he's saying the fourth looks like the son of, a God, of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar was, didn't have true faith, even though he could recognize the workings of God, like we saw in chapter 2. And what he's currently seeing is the non-death of these three men 
which we have to remember the men, the the soldiers that carried them to this furnace were burned alive just walking up to this thing um so he's recognizing that there is something unnatural here one that they're not dead and two that there's a fourth person involved and that he can recognize that the greatness the the uh overwhelming power and uh magnitude of this individual but because he's he lacks faith true faith convicted faith he just thinks it's this it looks like a son of the gods because he worships many gods that ain't the case so he calls to have them pulled out they're pulled out they don't smell they have no burns everything on them is perfect it's exactly the way that they were in And so in verse 29, he speaks out. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this, which is true. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. It's amazing. So not only did these three men get to keep their lives through God's grace and his save, saving knowledge and saving grace, but the king is also recognizing this and basically tells everyone that they need to stop. Like, don't worship the statue. You need to be worshiping this king. This, sorry, and by king, capital K, God. Which is also, you know, he goes to, he goes to such of the extremes. You know, everyone must worship my statue. Now everybody must worship this God. We don't want forced worship because we want true saving grace, salvation, and knowledge of God. That's what we want. So something to read here from the Moody, Moody book. Talking about verses 28 and 30. King Nebuchadnezzar continued on his odyssey of faith, begun on Jap on, in Daniel 2. So in Daniel 2, he learned that, God, uh, that the Lord is a true God, powerful enough to reveal secret dreams and to control the destinies of nations. In a sense... He recognized that the God of Israel, as a part of the panoply of gods, however, in Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar learned that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were servants of the Most High God, indicating that he saw the God of Israel as the one who is greater than all other gods. Even so, he remained a polytheistic believing in many gods, despite Nebuchadnezzar's praise of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for his deliverance and the king's prohibition against saying, against saying anything offensive against the God of Israel. He still had not come to a full knowledge of the one and only true God, which is exactly what I've been saying. Even with all these signs, all these miracles, divine deliverance and grace, 
He's still, he's just still not getting it. And we're going to run into people like that sometimes. We're going to run into people that are, it doesn't matter what you say. They just won't be able to understand fully what you are trying to comprehend and try to help them understand. And I hope, I sincerely hope that that is coming from a righteous side and not a selfish side of you. But we have to let people kind of be able to come to their own saving knowledge of Christ on their own. Give them the resources, give them the opportunities. But ultimately, it's for them to decide if they want to truly follow God or not. What you can do best is invite them to church, invite them to gatherings, talk to them one-on-one, make sure you, you dedicate time to them, and just make sure that God is in the conversation to a degree. Don't shove it down their throat, but just make sure that they understand that, you know, God is the focus of your life and that you want that for them as well and that you want to see them in heaven When we pass on, pray with them, pray for them, give them a Bible. They may open that Bible someday. It may not be right then and there, but someday they might be going through a trial and they'll be like, you know, I remember that Bible that Jonathan gave me. I think I'm going to open that up. And it's through God's divine deliverance and grace and righteousness that they will open up that Bible to the verse that they need to hear. And that'll be a glorious moment for for you. Because they will probably be the ones to come to you and be like, look, Jonathan, I, I, I hope I, I found God. They'll have this newfound faith and that'll be just like, oh, celebrate that'll be a day of celebration because not only the angels up in heaven but god in heaven will be praising that they have found god now follow through that's the big thing we want to follow through with those we are discipling those that we are mentoring those we were trying to seek out don't abandon them because they'll remember that if you abandon them especially if they're new in their faith So that's a good challenge for ourselves. It's a good challenge on our friends and family who are just lost. They're great people. They may not, they may not have God right now, but they might have God later on. So don't lose faith in that. Stay convicted in your faith and stand firm in it. All right, guys, well, we're going to end it there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace!